Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have in your life and what next steps you need to take to get there. I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 31. I'm so glad you decided to tune in today. Every episode has got something a little different, a little extra. This one's no exception because we are joined by Case Kenny. Now, many of you know Case. If not, you're about to. He is an entrepreneur. He's also a mindfulness expert and host and founder of the Top 25 Apple podcast, New Mindset, Who Dis? In Case's podcast, it features a short, no BS take on all things related to mindfulness, careers, relationships, um, where to take things in your life. And he empowers people to be happier and live more fulfilling lives. Now get this, his podcast has received over 5,000 five-star reviews and has been on the top 25 list on both Apple and Spotify for all podcasts for the past three years. And we got him. Now Case is also the creator of the best-selling mindfulness journals, the new Mindset Journal, Unbothered, and Single is Your Superpower. All right, before I introduce you to Case, how are you doing right now in your overall career and where you're taking the direction of your life? Have you ever asked yourself the question, is this it? Is this all there is? And if that describes you, and it describes, I think, all of us at one point in time, I think you'll enjoy Case's really honest and authentic approach to some of these big questions that we all wrestle with. It's now, let's not wait any longer. Case is here. Episode 31 is ready. Here, everybody, it's Case Kenny. Case, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. It is so good having you on the show. It's good to be here. Thank you. That's very kind of you to introduce me in, in such high regard. So, <laughs> well, Case, well, here's what I know, right? You are Chicago based. Uh, you're a writer, podcaster, top 20 podcast on Spotify and on Apple. Also a recording artist, um, also best selling author behind the new mindset journal and so much more. What, what did I miss? First off, what did I miss? <laughs> I think that that pretty much summarizes it. I've got my hand in a lot of different things, but I mean, everything is about mindfulness. So whether it's mindfulness on a podcast, mindfulness in my writings, mindfulness in, in music, uh, on Instagram, that's, I just try to bring mindfulness to life in different ways. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to have had the ability to try a bunch of different things. So it's, it's, it's accurate. <laughs> you know, um, I've watched a few, first off, I've listened to your podcast. You drop these two times a week, which is ambitious, sir. Uh, great podcast, obviously. Uh, so many, so many around around the world are tapping into this. Um, but you you have a different approach toward mindfulness. In fact, I heard an interview that you did. It was in 2019, and uh, I'm paraphrasing now. But you were saying, look, you know, so many of the help, self help or personal development, the message is being delivered by some guy wearing a sport jacket on a stage, and that's not you. But I am wearing a sport jacket. Have you noticed? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So what makes you different then? What, what, what is there about the message that's really breaking through? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I never sat down and was like, I need to be different. I need to brand myself different. So I'm going to be this guy where everyone is this guy. I'm going to zig and zag. I never did that. Eventually, I was like, oh, what I gravitate towards is a bit different. And therefore, I feel good about it. And it's helpful and marketable. It's just for me, like, I am a, like, I used to like be a little cynical towards self-help uh you know just being immature i guess young like in my 20s i'd be like oh boy here comes a quote about loving myself oh boy here comes a guy in a suit telling me that i need to set goals and track them um you know just like uh, just kind of an immature mindset and yeah. i think that like cynicism 
like as much as I don't like encourage cynicism, I think it always <laughs> helped me because it forced me. It's like if I'm going to sit down and talk about something, I want to deliver it in a way that I would receive it well. And self-help is such a great space. And I value everyone who has an opinion and everyone who tries. But for me, it's like, there's no right. There's no wrong. I don't think anyone should get up here and lecture other people. I think there's value in perspective. And I have just always found myself, I am a regular guy and I have perspective to offer. I don't have the right way. I don't have the blueprint. I can't tell you what to do. All I know is what has helped me. And that is what I like to uh, deliver. And that always just felt really organic to me that I didn't have to step into this. All right, I'm going to put my game face on and become this person. I'm going to dress up and become this guy. It's like, no, I, I just speak my opinion and my perspective. And that's all I want to do. I don't want to be anything more. And in fact, when people try to like, you know, very graciously give me labels like expert or coach or guru. I, of course, understand that we like labels in life, yeah, but yeah. I, I would never call myself an expert, truly, no matter how many books I've sold, episodes I've done. It's just I just don't have a desire to be that person because I it's just not it's just not yeah. true to me. I just like being a guy who has found my truth and I share it. And if it's helpful, that's great. If not, that's fantastic. And I know I'm going on and on about it, but like for me, I really like that because it takes the pressure off. I don't have to get up there and be anyone that I'm not. I don't have to impress a bunch of people. I just do me and I try to do me in the best way possible. And that's what you get right here. T-shirt, hat. Yeah. Boom. Um, so well, that's how I feel. I, I love it. I've noticed that about you, though. You do respectfully and politely, though. You can really kind of push back against that label. I mean, you, I've heard you describe yourself as just a regular yeah. guy sharing your feelings. You're a dude bro guy, right? You're just... <laughs> yeah, you know but, it. By the way, if you do need a blue blazer, 42 regulars, my size, I can send you one if you want one. You just tell me. I, th okay. I think if I recall my last blazer, I think that was around my size. So I'll, I'll hit you up. It's a good, sharp looking blazer. Deal, deal. All right. So where did all this start? Gates, where, where did it all start for you? Um, and there had to be an evolution here, but when did it really start clicking for you? Yeah, it's a very fair question. I mean, I'm 34 now. I would say it started clicking when I was 29, 30. So like I had always been writing online in some form about different things since 2014. So, you know, when I was in my mid twenties, I started the podcast when I was 28, 29. And I started it in response to my life. I had just gone through a breakup. I was feeling burned out in my job. And I was just asking myself the quintessential late twenties question of like, is this it? Is this, is this all I got? And then I would dive into that. And I'm like, uh, am I doing what I want to do? Am I creating my blueprint? Am I borrowing other people's goals, objectives, timelines? I don't really know. And I got kind of fired up about it because I am pretty type A. And I was like, man, I would be pissed if I look back in 30 years and was like, man, you know what? I am not really doing what I want to do. Um, Biggest you know? fear, right? And yeah. so, so anyway, so that was my question to myself. And I was like, I'm going to do what every great white male does in 2020. I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> it's true. Everyone did. Everybody did. It's a joke. But uh, yeah, everyone did. And I was like, All right, I'll do it too. But I mean, I, to be honest, I did it. I did it as a challenge to myself because it's easy to write online and it's easy to hide behind big words and well-crafted sentences. Um, it's a little bit different on a podcast. I mean, you can, of course, but I find it to be more, more vulnerable to sit down and try to just deliver these things uh, and ask myself these questions. So I did it as a challenge to myself. I was going to be like, hey, I'm going to sit down, ask myself these question uh, questions, give my response, maybe give some perspective in the process and go from there. And that was 400 episodes ago. And I just kept wow. pulling on that string. And, you know, long story short from there, eventually I... I realized through the process of asking myself these questions, I got a lot better at answering them. 
and I got a lot better at practicing self-awareness. I got a lot better at practicing mindfulness. I talk a lot about mindfulness. Mindfulness is a muscle. The more you practice it, the better you get at it, the better you get at becoming self-aware. I was like, this is amazing. It's helping other people. It's helping me. And then I just kept pulling on that, on that thread of interest and passion. And, you know, eventually I, I quit my job, wrote some books, do this, do that. And um, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a crazy thing, but I mean, I always say it's like, the podcast is very much for other people. Of course, as a creator, it's kind of the objective. You're creating something of value for people. But I think what's kept me going for 421 episodes is it helps me every single time I sit down and do these things. It's like my own form of therapy and I just get better and better at it. It's the same with why I, I do every interview that comes my way. I get to practice these things. And the last thing I'll say is I've been thinking a lot about this lately. It's like, I just like, I, I've done two episodes a week for five years. Nothing ever wow. stopped me. I've had lots of ups and downs in life, some bad things, some great things, never, ever missed a week. And I was like, man, how have I continued to do this? Um, yeah, I was it's not wondering like about I'm just that. like a, a robot who doesn't have a life or anything like that. I'm I, fortunate to have a great life, but I was thinking like, I, it's just set a new goal for myself. I am super motivated to be the person I am on the podcast to be that person. Cause again, it's easy to give advice. It's easy to talk about butterflies and rainbows. It's another thing to actually do it. So like, that's my new goal to be the same man I am on the podcast. And like, it really empowers me and it motivates me and just keeps me going. And, you know, clearly five years later, still doing it. And it's opened up, it's opened a lot of doors for me, which is like just super privileged. So yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Consistency. It's not about, it's not about launching something, but can you be consistent at anything? And how, how do you stay so consistent? And maybe a, maybe a better question case is, is it, is it the why? Is it the, you know, what's dri- here it is case. What's driving you to be so consistent? That's really my question. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say it's a combination of, of what I just rattled off and, and, you know, mumbled through the why <laughs> is very intrinsic with me doing the podcast helps me. I think if you're a creator or entrepreneur, like your business has to be tied to you. It has to help you beyond the finances. It has to be intrinsically tied to your, your person and your soul. So that's always one. Uh, And then two, it's cool to like, it set a new uh, objective for me, a new level that I am trying to be that person. So it helps me in that sense. And three, practically, it's like, I was on a podcast yesterday and we were talking, we were talking about how podcasting is a graveyard. You can look online and find millions and millions of podcasts and 90% of them quit after 15 episodes. Right. You know, it's like, there's crazy statistics about like the, the average podcast, how many listens, this listens that, how many, how infrequently they post after they started and all these things. And I was like, and my advice to any podcaster was like, if you sit down and you say, my goal is to be a successful podcaster, I have a message that I'm passionate about. I'm willing to put in the work. Then you should set a goal of, I will before I quit, I will do a hundred episodes or whatever makes sense for you. If you're only doing one a week, maybe 50 episodes. So you do a yeah. year's worth. And I was like, you need to set that as your objective. Cause then you can look at it and say, okay, I gave it my all and I, and I could quit. I can pivot after having given it my all. So like, that's always been my thing. Like when I sat down, I was like, I'm going to do a hundred episodes that's and good. I did. And then obviously reading the room, I was like, I should probably do another hundred. Um, so it's a mix of, you know, being pragmatic, but also to your point, just like really tied to the motivation for that consistency. So Casey, you're probably going to be, um, maybe episode 35. And, uh, does that, does that impress you at all? Because it impresses me. <laughs> it does impress believe. me. The, 
the statistic I saw, I think it was like less than like 12 episodes or something. So you're, <laughs> you've, you've more than rounded the bases a couple of times in that sense, certainly. And it, it, you know, it depends on like how frequently you can do it, but right. yeah, ab- absolutely. And podcasting is one of the toughest things to grow truly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I got here to be honest. It's very, very difficult uh, for a variety of reasons, but yes, kudos to you. Very good. Well, okay. Now looking at your background though, you have, you have your fingers in a lot of different pots. Um, and more, more than just the podcasting though, I have to tell you, you're 34 years old and you don't have to do all these things, right? I mean, the, the, the path for many people your age is uh, living out in the suburbs, Evanston, or head out to Rockford, <laughs> live, live out there, do something other. But wh- where are you taking things? Uh, you're involved in a ton. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do have a personality trait where like, I just, I have to be busy. Like that's probably to my detriment. I need to be better at just like living and existing. Um, but I love creative, man. I, I like, I love the creative process. I love taking things from zero to something. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like, I've always got my hand in the podcast, of course, and the audio space, um, writing, I'm working on, on another book, um, like my first book book, as opposed to a journal. I'm working on a lot of music too. Like I'm very passionate about the intersection of music and mindfulness. Um, so really just any, any way that I could bring, uh, mindfulness to life in a different way. I, I launched a candle brand late last year. Cause I was trying to fuse together the concept of scent and mindfulness. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, you know, it's like, I've practiced the practiced this skill for so many hours. It's like, it just makes sense for me to, to infuse it in different areas. I have a game coming out in Target and Walmart in uh, October and January that I, that I created. Man. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's half entrepreneur, half artist. And it just kind of makes sense to like, just go really hard while I can. <laughs> that's yeah. my, yeah. that's my rationale. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, you're, you don't want to, uh, 50, 30 years from I look back and say, if I could have done more or using, use your talents, use your talents differently, but you really have this, this, uh, bias reaction and you really want to just a little bit better every day. Is that part of mindfulness case? Is that, is there a direct link on that? Or is that unique to, to you? Uh, I, I definitely think there's a direct link. I mean, when I think of mindfulness, all I think about is self-awareness. And uh-huh. self-awareness is obviously a th- kind of a throwaway term. What does that really mean? I, when I think about self-awareness, I think about why, W-H-Y. And for me, I'm always asking myself that. So it's our whole conversation. Like, why am I doing these things? Like, when do I, am I trying to prove something? Do I have a chip on my shoulder? Is this some kind of compensation for something in my childhood? I wasn't good enough. I'm trying to prove it very well. Maybe like, I'm yeah. going to be real. Like there, there's something, something there possibly. Um, but for me, you know, it's just, I, you know, for instance, I, I worked eight years at a company, eight, eight years. I was an account executive and left as a regional vice president. Like, is that right? Quit that job, quit this, quit that job to do this. I made a lot of money there. It was technology sales. You can make a lot of money. And I quit that to do this. And that was a leap of faith. So now it's like, I'm like, I am fully invested in me, my belief in myself, but also, you know, I don't live in La La Land where it's the secret and you're like, picture a million dollars and you'll get it. Picture a best-selling book and you'll get it. Like action is the greatest equalizer in life. And I realize that. And, and everything that's good that's happened to me has come as a direct result of action. So I just, the more action I put in, the more ambitious I am, the luckier I get truly. Oh. And uh, I, I am all in on that. So I am like every day I will write, every day I will create, every day I will speak. And, you know, you think about 10,000 hour rule, something like that, yeah. I'm well beyond that. And it's oh, yeah. like the proof is in the pudding, like random great things happen to me. And it's not luck. 
it's luck because of ambition and it's ambition because of action. And I'm just like, it's cause and effect. I mean, it's like, I think I got a lot of, uh, I learned a lot through sales. I mean, you're only successful in sales for how many calls you make, emails you make, meetings you take. It's the same thing when it comes to a, a craft art. So I'm, you know, I'm all in on as much as I can output in a way that's healthy and responsible. When, when, when you look at successful people where they, you know, in their craft, there's a, there's just hours and hours and hours of work that nobody sees. And when you, then people make it look effortless, which I, when I listen to you and watch you, you do make it look effortless, but it's not just because you just roll in and turn on the microphone and go, there's, there's been hours devoted to this, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, every episode probably takes me four hours to do, um, which isn't crazy. Um, but what's four hours times 400, you yeah. know, 1600 hours till right. we get it. Um, yeah. I mean, everything. Yeah. I mean, I was up until 3am last night. Cause I was like, I had this idea for another concept and I was like, I'm on a roll. I'm gonna keep going here. So, like there right? are no working hours for me because it's so intrinsically tied to what I love. And, you know, I'm not saying that's right. Like it's not, I need, you know, I'm not encouraging people to do that necessarily. I definitely need more balance than I currently give myself, but yeah. I just love what I do. It's a gift to be able to do it. Like I joke that I share my feelings for a living. Like who gets to say that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so but I, for everyone listening though, we're, we're all chasing some b- pretty big goals and the, sometimes luck happens. Sometimes it does. But I think what Case is laying out here too, is that more often than not, it is just a lot of hard work. A lot of work goes into becoming great at something. But Case, there's also that taking that leap of faith like you did. You left technology sales. You know, if I were your dad, I would say, Case, don't do it. Don't do it, Case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stay right there. <laughs> did you hear that? And yeah. why, why, why did you make the leap to begin with? Wow. I mean, both my parents said that. And um, I said <laughs> it to myself too, because I, I worked hard. I mean, I joked that I, like, I became a man through the process of working in sales truly because I started that job when I was, uh, 24 and I quit when I was, you know, 32 at the same company go like the pivotal years, right? 24 to 32. Like those are your years, right? Um, I I learned so much about myself, made a great money and all the while I was building my other stuff, but eventually it just got to a point like COVID Honestly, it's a weird, like COVID was a a blessing for me because it forced me to sit down and like realize I just had a lot more time to myself sitting in my apartment in Chicago, like what I'm capable of and like the story of my business. And I throw around numbers, not to sound impressive, like let's also be real. I learned a lot through the process. I did not take home as much as I would have wanted, but it went in 18 months from $0 to over $5 million in in sales of a journal that I started. And through that process, I, uh, again, learned a lot. It was not some, you know, <laughs> ride home on, on, on a chariot type bank right. thing. But um, I was like, man, you know, I, I can do this. And there's a process to this. And, you know, COVID really showed me that there's a market for the things that I have to offer. And at a yeah. certain point, I was just like, I, I have one, grown as far as I can at this company. They were always very kind to me. And two, it was just like the right time. I always said from day one that I wanted to be an author day one and my mom was like and she's she's an author herself she she said you're going to be a great author 
but you need life experience first. And I always thought, oh, what are you talking about? I'm going to write the next great American novel when I'm 20. And I realized that that's not true. You definitely need perspective and you need life experience. And even at 34, I'd say I'm on the very left end of that of that experience spectrum. But I was like, you know what? Now I've got some perspective. I have some things to say. I've got some numbers to support that the business model might work. Like, let's do this. Let's let's take a leap. I mean, truly, it was a leap of faith. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. It was really tough because I had attached a lot of my identity to being successful in sales and just like the security of of that of the finances that come with it. Um, so it was definitely very different. It's a very different mentality now, but definitely worth it. Now, in corporate, you know, corporate America, we call that the golden handcuffs, right? Where they all of a sudden you're making enough money, and more than that, it's really uncomfortable to leave. And especially if you're good at what you do, and it sounds like you were, um, that's yeah, eight years in sales. You learned everything right there, for sure. I mean, eight years, eight years is a long time in this generation, millennials call it, <laughs> to be at one company. Yeah. I mean, eight years in sales is a long time too. So it yeah, it was, you know, it was definitely very difficult to leave. But, you know, I, I the, you know, sales taught me confidence too. Like there were times in my sales career where I, you know, had two bad quarters and I was like, oh man, maybe I can't do this. But then I was like, no, I can do this. I just need to do more, try harder. And I was like, the same mentality applies to writing and entrepreneurship, (laughs) do more and try harder. (laughs) Yeah. What I love about what you said there though, too, for everyone uh, tuning in is that in sales, you are practicing everything, marketing, psychology, uh, written word, spoken word, uh, empathy, emotional intelligence. It's like the perfect bundle and, and, and resilience and grit. And I can go on and on and on. I'm a big fan of sales for anyone, right. To learn. Hey, case, uh, Instagram, for those who are not following you yet, (laughs) you have a huge Instagram following. Where did the viral, the viral coffee cup quotes begin? Um, yeah, it, it began in COVID like prior to that, I just posted pictures of myself. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, I mean, during COVID, I was, again, sitting here being like, I write a ton. I have a lot of perspective. The podcast is popular. How can I evangelize that in a way that makes sense? And I was like, well, man, I don't know. The internet is full of inspirational quotes. Because let's be real. That's what I do. I post inspirational quotes. And I was like, man, there's so many inspirational quotes. Like if I had a nickel for everyone who hops into Canva or Photoshop, creates a little, you know, square one by one and publishes it, you know, I, I you know, there's millions of people doing that. No disrespect yeah. to them. But I was like, how can I post a quote that has a little bit more grit to it, a little bit more reality? And I was like, I'm always drinking coffee. Why not write on a coffee cup? I always have post-it notes. I got some right here. Why not uh, write on a post-it note? And then I was also like, man, I live in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I live in downtown Chicago. Why not use the cityscape? So I just, that was my thing, like bring inspirational quotes out of the digital and into the real world. And I think at the time with COVID, you know, showing the outside world uh, was appealing and they kind of just, you know, started to do well. And then, you know, some, you know, celebrities and people started to repost them and um, you know, that, that kind of blew up from there. And then I was like, yeah, man, this is actually a great exercise for me because I do tend to talk a lot. I was like, uh, writing a quote forces me to summarize and simplify my thoughts. So it helped me. So I just started doing it more often. And uh, the rest is history, I suppose. No, I'm, I'm looking at it right now on Instagram, right? Confidence to be weird and different is undeniably attractive. I mean, there, there are the writing is very tight, right? And what, what, what's your process for that? Are you in the shower? All of a sudden it hits you or are you actively, what, what is your creative process? Is really what I'm, what I'm asking you. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I, so I have like a bunch of Google docs where I write down ideas. I respond really well to prompts. So like a lot of mm. my writing comes from prompts, like prompts in the sense of I'll see someone else wrote about confidence. Someone to write confidence is, you know, uh, you know, embracing failure. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty cool, but maybe I can come up with a better answer. And I'll be like, confidence is, and then I'll write 10 things that I think confidence is. Great. So I, I do a lot of like reacting to what other people say. That's why I like, I love the self-help space, but sometimes don't. It's like, I love it because I love other people's takes that I can yeah. react to or build on. Um, so I do a lot of that. I mean, I, I, you can't see the, the other side of my computer, but I have a wall full of probably 300 post-it notes where I just write down words that I really like. Yeah. And um, I'll use those um, or just like colloquialisms. I did a quote the other day of, you know, the, the internet trend of she's a 10, but, and I was like, oh, she's a 10, but, but nothing. She's a 10 and then so on and so forth. So like things like that, I'll take little, you know, you know, internet trends and uh, to turn them into something valuable. But yeah, that's, that's my process. Yeah, no, I love it. You know, you, you're, you talked about the prompts. So you have a brand new book, but first inner peace. And part of what I think I know about this book uh, case is that you use that, the prompts as a way, and it's these perspective and then prompts. Tell us more about how you're incorporating prompts and things into this book. Um, and what can we expect when we purchase the But First Inner Peace book? Yeah. So, I mean, so But First Inner Peace is a pretty interesting book because it's like 80% book, 20% journal. And I did that on purpose because, you know, I, I love, again, I love the help self-help space. I love authors who have written great nonfiction in the self-help space. I've always found that the most impactful works that I consume have an element that I can get involved with, namely something that I can respond to. So I was like, let me write a book, kind of a book, but also kind of a journal because I, you know, it's one thing for me to sit down and say, here's my perspective. And then here's my perspective. And here's my perspective and 30 chapters of that. It's another thing to say, here's my perspective. Let's see if this aligns with yours, complete this prompt and so on and so forth. And I just find that that's valuable, at least in my life, um, to offer perspective and then a prompt to drive it home, perspective mm. and a prompt to drive it home. And then the whole concept of, but first inner peace was it's a take on manifestation that, you know, to manifest quote manifest, everyone loves the word means a lot of different things to different people to manifest in my world. You have to operate from a place of calm and intention, namely inner peace. And if you could find that then from there, you can very likely go out and create these things that you want. So the idea with the book was to encourage people to find a place of inner peace from which to operate from. And then through 60 days of journaling, uh, align themselves with a singular intention and see how close they can get to accomplishing it as I guide them through the process. Um, so that was the idea. All right. So did that concept for that book, then the journal, you know, 80, 80% journal, 20% book, did you also then uh, borrow from other things you've seen as well? I mean, that's really structured and I love it, but how did you land on that? You're not a psychology major. You're not a psychologist. You're a regular guy. How'd you land on it? Yeah, definitely. I'm not a psychologist. Um, <laughs> and, and, and he said, all of my writing is so like my take on mindfulness, there's many different takes on mindfulness. There's like a psycholo like a psychology driven one. There's therapy. There's a lot of science behind it. Um, mine is all based on observation is all based on memories. Like we have all these things in life that we can pinpoint. We could say, I have lived through this experience and therefore I can believe this truth. I have seen this, therefore I can believe this truth. And like, to me, that is mindfulness. So the whole idea of the book and the way that I approach writing as a regular guy is trying to get people to prove why in their life. Like for me, 
I believe at some point I will be a New York Times bestselling author, for instance, or like the top podcaster in the world. That is what I believe. Hmm. But I'm not living in La La Land. I believe that because I take a look at why. Why Why do I have the chutzpah to say I deserve those things? Well, it's because of all these things. I could sit down and journal about the things that I do. I don't know what the timeline is, but eventually I can get there. And we all have these memories. Memories are so powerful. It's how we use them. Do we use them to disprove our worth or do we use them to prove our worth? So when you say prove your worth, is part of that taking taking those action steps and really moving forward, getting out of your comfort zone or am I, am I not even close? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, we, what's the quote Seneca says, you know, we suffer more in imagination than we do in reality. Well, you know, suffering and imagination comes from when we don't give ourselves the credit we deserve. Truly. It's like, we're like, you you could talk about imposter syndrome. You could talk about lack of confidence. You could talk about lack of self-worth when it comes to relationships. Like a lot of that certainly comes from experience. Like we have, unfortunately, experiences that say people will hurt us. People will let us down. You will fail. You will be rejected. You will have a dumb idea. We have those experiences, but we also have the, the, Uh, the flip side of those, which will show us that we've been through things that suck, but what does suck give you? It gives you a new standard. And if that's your standard, you're never going back from it. I've done many episodes on, you know, the people who hurt you, helped you and why proving to ourselves the why behind those things. And it just, and again, in my world, it encourages you to act because you have experiences that prove that you've been through the opposite of what you want, what you deserve, the contrast, if you have those, can you use those as empowerment tools rather than, you know, imaginary suffering tools for the future? Um, but again, like I always say that I was, uh, I'm a hardwired optimist. When I was rolled off the human assembly line, they were like optimist, this guy. So it's easy for me to say these things, but I like, I really do believe that if we can be radically honest with ourselves and sit down and really parse through our, our memory banks and experiences, we can say, we can do everything I've been describing. This experience equals this belief. That belief is based in experience. There's no p- more power than experience. Where things get tough in life, where we start talking ourselves out of trying, shooting our shot, taking a first step, is where we're living in the, the detriment of imagination. So I just try to really get people to like be secure in their, in their experiences and use those to power them forward. Well said. No, well said. Hey, of all the podcast episodes you've done, is there one that stands out? I'm curious. Is there one that stands out as the most downloaded and one that just like spiked and you're like, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I think I was looking at my stats the other day. I, I think, um, I think the, my number one downloaded was like something about why men lose interest, I think was a very triggering topic. Most of my, most of my audience is female. So I, I, I can see why that could be an appealing topic. Why men lose interest. <laughs> Um, I think that was, that was the number oh, one. Oh, wait a minute. Now, now in 15 seconds, what, 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 why do men lose interest? What is it? Or do I have to listen to uh, Oh man. Yeah. I've done a lot of episodes lately <laughs> on like, you know, trying to help women understand men or help myself understand myself. Who knows? Um, the 10 second summary of that episode was I, I have found that, you know, an inherent step in any relationship is a feeling of discomfort. That's a feeling of discomfort from being single to being in something serious. That's a feeling of discomfort from being conditioned to see your worth in a roster versus commitment. It's a feeling of discomfort. I have found that a lot of men equal, they see discomfort and they see that as a sign to, to retreat. Whereas, you know, the, obviously that's not the best step. The best step is to see discomfort, embrace it, 
detail it, see what it really means, and then move forward or retreat based on that. But a lot of men see discomfort as a sign that you should retreat rather than analyze it, rather than to challenge it. And that was basically the take on that. Men just in general, I found are not good at that level of introspection could be a primitive thing, biology thing. We, we see it. We say, whoa, 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 that that feels uncomfortable. I should retreat versus, whoa, whoa, whoa that feels uncomfortable. Why? So on and so forth. So it was a pretty basic take, but a lot of people gravitated towards All it. All right. I'm going to find it. I got I to gotta listen to the whole thing. Hey, uh, you, we have covered a lot of ground here and you're involved in a lot of different things. What What is the one project you're working on right now, Case, that's bringing you just you know a lot of, lot of joy and a lot of purpose? Everything you're doing sounds like it is, but is there one right now that's kind of on the horizon that you're working on that you're really feeling good about? Yeah, well, I, honestly, I think it's my the music projects I do. Like, I love music. I love dance music. I love house music. Um, it's something that you, probably is not too, super synonymous with mindfulness. Most people consider mindfulness with peace and calm and, you know, kind of that kind of vibe. But I love, like, in-your-face bass, just, like, loud. I'm um, in Chicago, the home of house. So I'm working on a couple tracks. Um, I have a couple collabs coming out in the future where just fusing together the repetitiveness, repetitiveness, the the melody, the progression of that type of music with mindfulness. It just puts you in a really honest, feel good headspace. And I think that's what mindfulness is all about. Mindfulness is about putting yourself in a headspace so you could do all the things that I'm rambling about, namely your why, your memories, your experiences. And I have found that the right music that is uplifting and progressive and repetitive puts you in a space where you're like, all right. So I've got those coming out soon. And you know, I just love it. Good. I was listening to a couple of tracks. I was on SoundCloud and uh, it's under, it was under dance and EDM, right? Yeah. 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 So what, what is EDM? <laughs> Electronic dance music. It's like the, the overarching umbrella for all different types of genres of dance music. There's many. So, Hey Case, how, how best should we follow you to stay in touch with you and all the cool things you're up to? Uh, well, I appreciate that. At case.kenny on Instagram uh, is the best. I'm also on TikTok dabbling in the TikTok waters, but other okay. than that, Instagram tends to be the, uh, the center of the universe for everything I do. I know you're a top 20 podcaster on uh, Spotify and Apple, but now I'm going to give you the chance to talk to the vast I Dare You podcast audience case. Give them the I Dare You challenge as they're looking at taking next steps and, and, take, and chasing their big goals. What, what's your I Dare You challenge to them? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would probably reiterate the advice that I repeat a lot and I give myself a lot that I found a lot of uh, purpose in. It's just the idea it's it's, it's my little soundbite. And I say it's, there's no right way to live your life, but there is a wrong way. And the wrong way is to think that there's a right way. It's a little word jumble, but I found a lot of power in that because I always used to think that there was a right way to live, a right way to be an entrepreneur, a right way to be single, a right way to be in a relationship. And I would base that as does everyone on other people comparison. Oh man, that's how you be a single dude in Chicago. You got to be like that guy. Oh, that's how you be married. Oh, that's how you be a successful entrepreneur. I need to emulate that person. And certainly there's something to be said about being inspired by other people, but I found the, the most freedom and liberation from saying there's no right way. There's the right way that I figure out is the right way for me. I'm inspired by a lot of people, but let's be real. I share my feelings for a living. Like what quitting my job and doing this was definitely not the right way. And same with being like, I was single for a long time in my twenties. I'm dating someone now. I just found like, I don't need a lot of, a lot of the BS that I used to think was what a single guy does. Like it was Mm. silly. It just wasn't me. It wasn't for me. And I just found a lot of power in the cliche of coming home to myself, creating my truth, but also it's very practical. 
Like you lap other people very quickly when you decide that you determine what is right for you. You're not borrowing what's right for everyone else. You decide what's right for you. You very quickly, for one, surround yourself with the right people. Two, you make you take action quicker. You say no to more things. You say yes to more things that are personal to you. So I just love that. There's no right way to live your life, but there is a wrong way. And the wrong way is to think that there's a right way. It's just your way. And you should be inspired and practical and realistic. But ultimately, like I found a lot of a lot of empowerment in that realization. Okay, so I'm gonna leave it right there. Um, it has been so much fun having you on the podcast. I said yes to this interview, and I can't. I just can't thank you enough uh, for doing that. And you gave us so many great insights. So uh, thank you again, Case, for being part of this podcast. I, I really appreciate it. Of course. I, I joke that any chance to talk about myself is one I'll take. And, and I mean it. And if I could help one person or a million people, I, I'm willing to do that. So appreciate the platform. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Case. I know I sure enjoyed it. I've been thinking about it a lot. My biggest takeaway is that even though for Case and for others that we look at, it appears that they, they really just do it effortlessly. There are hours of hard work that go into everything. And I would put to you that, that that really separates people. I think, as Case said, you can really lap people pretty quickly when you put in the work. Whatever big dream or idea that you have, and I know you've got them, it's, it's not enough to think about the dream, but think about the work that it's going to require to get there. And that shouldn't stop you. Quite the opposite. The work that it's going to require to get there allows you to practice and become better every single day. Case Kenny agreed to this interview in part because he likes to practice these interviews. And I love that type of mindset. I think we can all learn from that. What are we up to right now in our lives? And what can we say yes to and put in the hours to get great at our craft? And that is where the real joy and that's where real passion comes from when those activities are lined up with our purpose. So now make sure you're following Case on Instagram unbelievable. You'll love getting to know him on Instagram even better uh, at case.kenny. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at darrenjohnson1. And also, the I Dare You podcast has a Instagram page at I Dare You Pod. Drop me a note. I would love for you to drop me a note. Let me know how you're liking these episodes. Uh, that would mean a lot to me. Do me that favor. Also, leave a review, especially if you love this episode. <laughs> now that you listened, who are you going to share this with? Think about two or three people in your life that are important to you that you can forward this on and send to them. Okay, everyone, that was episode 31. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. We're getting ready for episode 32 next week. It will not be the same without you. So I will see you right here next week.